So on this episode of Three Point Firefighter, we're going to bring up that dirty little word, training. So give me about 20 minutes. Let's talk about it. Stay tuned. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. All right, welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Before we get started about training, I want to uh, give a big shout out to all my listeners. Today is episode one, season three, and I'm super excited about this. I love doing my podcast. It's a passion project. Uh, it's something I just felt like I wanted to do, be part of the national conversation. I had no idea the response I was going to get. I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. So I want to say thank you to everybody listening. It's because of you that I get to continue this and enjoy it and have so much fun and meet the coolest people. I also wanted to have a big shout out to all my guests. They are the best, man. It's it's the guests that make this, right? So a big shout out to all my guests. These guys are humble. They're hungry. They're passionate. They give me their time and their wisdom so I can share it with you. I couldn't do it without them, obviously. Third and last, super big shout out to Fire Facilities Steel Training Towers. Uh, I burn in these things all the time. I go around the country. They're my number one burn tower way before they became sponsors. Uh, I loved them even more after they became sponsors because I got to peek behind the curtain and see how things are done. Now, Aaron Adams runs it, and he's a firefighter. I mean, he knows what we do. So uh, go to firefacilities.com. Check them out. It's a one-stop shop. I promise you, one phone call, and you're on the right path. Also, do me a favor. Check out their client gallery on their homepage. It's so cool. All the different uh, towers they've done and where they've done them. It's amazing. Okay, so let's talk about training. That's why you're here, right? So I've seen all kinds of training cultures in my career, good training cultures, bad training cultures, and everything in between. I've had, I personally have had good training habits and I've had horrible training habits and I've also had everything in between. But there's one indisputable fact about training. You always need it and you should always do it. Training is, to me, training is the engine that drives the fire department. Without training, then you're just going to have shiny fire trucks, nice firehouses with people in there that are in there for themselves. And that's not what we do. We're here for them, right? And I heard as Eddie Steele that said, you know, in training, we're here for us, but out there, we're for them. And I like that concept because Training is where we learn to do our job, and I feel like our job is training. Our main job is to train and master our craft, and one of the side effects of doing that is we're extremely good on the fire ground, and I, I just like the, the way I like to frame it. So I, I challenge anybody to say that they have mastered their craft. I mean, think about that. How arrogant would you have to be to say, I know everything there is to know? about my job. Years ago, when I worked for another department, they had a uh, annual review. And if I remember correctly, it was based on a scale of one to five. And I think five was like, knows everything. So like, say, let's say there's subjects like a uniform, one to five. Five means you always wear it correctly. Um, maybe it's about punctuality. Five is you're always on time. And, you know, just kind of, you can fill in the blanks from there. But I remember one guy got fives on everything job knowledge, uh, training, everything. 
He got fives on everything. I worked with this guy, hell of a fireman. I'm not going to lie. He was a really good firefighter. But when he got that five, does that mean he ma he's mastered his craft? And I, I struggled with that. And I never talked to him about it. I just remember it kinda, I was kind of new, so I just kind of mulled over it in my mind. So the question is, well, why do they have fives if you can't obtain it? But if you obtain a five, does that mean there's nothing else you can learn? I would argue we have to learn all the time. We have to put in the effort. Um, I personally have zero problems with you taking naps on the shift. I have zero problems with you cleaning your car uh, on shift. I have zero troubles uh, with you watching TV on the shift. All I say is earn it. Earn that time. And I'm not talking about every single day you've got to put all your gear on and you've got a hump of two and a half flowing up four flights of stairs. That's not what I'm talking about, although that'd be kind of cool. What I'm saying is your fire department career deserves you putting more in it. The best advice I ever got was from uh, Joe Best in Lexington, Kentucky. He said, give one extra hour a day above and beyond what your department demands. So whatever training they've got scheduled, uh, whatever duties you have, whatever fires you have that day, find time to give one more hour back to the department because it deserves it. And that could be as simple as, you know, going over your map books. It could be practicing knots. It could be pulling lines in the bay. It could be a myriad of things. My dog agrees. So that was the best advice I've ever given, uh, been given. And I try to give it to all my new recruits as well. So let's talk about the ranks and, and how it affects training. So what's a good training culture? For me, I get to see when I go to a, a, fire, a firehouse or a, a, a fire department and I see a fantastic training ground and a really good training uh, classroom and lots and lots of good props. I can't help but think that that's a good training culture. And so far, I've been right. I went to South Adams a couple of weeks ago, talked to their people and They've got a pretty good training culture. They will tell you, we have a good training culture. Uh, they just invested a lot in a uh, brand new facility. Check them out on Facebook, South Adams Fire in Colorado. It's, it's an amazing place, amazing firefighters. So let's talk about the ranks and, and developing a good training culture. Now, uh, let's talk about the highest level chief, the chief of the department. How should a chief of the department be involved to help with a good training culture. I per Now, this is me. So just to let you know, I'm old. I'm 54 years old. I've got bad knees. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm always, I feel like I'm getting new aches and pains every single day, but I go to the gym five days a week. I make sure I do cardio. I do lifting because I never know when I might be called back to do something. Just because I have a white helmet doesn't mean I can't do other stuff. I'm in a small department. Everybody has to do something sometimes. So I feel like that's part of training. Exercising is part of training. So now take the chief of the department. What do, what do they need to do to make a good training culture? Well, do they need to participate in all the training? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Most chiefs don't have the time to do that. Now, smaller departments, they probably can. I, I take that back. They can't do every training, but I think it's, it's really nice to have the chief of the department to show up, support training, and ideally go through it. So my point earlier is I'm old, I'm achy, so I get it. But too often we use that as an excuse not to put our gear on 
uh, put on an air pack and crawl through a tunnel. You know, we need to do that. We we have to understand what our guys are going through. So chief of the departments. Now, can the chief of Boston or the chief of FDNY do that? I doubt they have the time. Right now, I, I go back to Chief Frank Lee. Best of the best, man. I'm telling you, go back and listen to that podcast. I'm not going to rehash it here, uh, but that's a leader. That is absolutely leader. And, you know, he's not chief of the department, but he is a multi-bugle white shirt with a tie, putting all his gear on, going through going through the stuff. So, yes, the chief being involved is important. Showing, if nothing else, showing up at training to support training. That That's big. Just having the chief of department say, you know what? I like this training. This is good. Okay. So now let's drop down to like assistants and deputies. Do they need to do it? Well, yeah, I think so more so than the chief. I think they probably have more time. I'm not saying they have a lot of time, but what if they showed up once a month to training and they put their gear on and then they did it? They pulled line, right? And they flowed and, and they, they did writ training and they actually know what it's like to pull somebody up and down the stairs again. Too often we get these white helmets and these pretty white shirts and we see it as a pathway away from being a firefighter. It's just the opposite, man. It's a pathway to becoming a better firefighter, right? How do you make a budget for SEBAs and gear if you've never worn it? If it's been years since you put on an SEBA and I come to you and complain about SEBAs, how are you going to know? Would it be great if you would able to say, yeah, you know, I noticed that too. Or you know what? I've never noticed it. And I just had it on a couple of days ago. I think it's really important. Deputies and assistants, I really think they need to. And the beauty of it is you could rotate it. Say you get three deputies. Say one month you go to training. The next month, the other one goes to training. Have a presence and then have that chief officer come, the chief of the department come when he can. You have a you have an officer present at every training. I think that's invaluable. Uh, my number two uh, shows up almost every single training at least once. And uh, I like that. I feel like I feel encouraged. I feel like. Uh, he cares. And I think that's what we need to do. Now, what about battalion chiefs? Okay. So I'm a battalion chief, but I don't have a battalion. I'm just a training officer. That's all I am. Um, it just works out that it happens to have that rank. So what about the other battalion chiefs that run the crews? Absolutely. They need to be doing all the training all the time. Again, we transfer up and we feel like we're moving away from the fire, being a firefighter, but we're actually becoming a better firefighter. Uh, so we need to put on our gear. We need to crawl through these tunnels. We need to do the writ training. So when our guys talk about it, you have firsthand knowledge of it. Uh, and as a training officer, should we do it? Absolutely. For all the above reasons. And number one for me personally, and it's selfish, it is a blast. I love putting my gear on. I love having my air pack on and I love getting sweaty, dirty, nasty. It's just fun. Now, captains, to me, captains are some of the most important people on developing a good training culture. Captains that support training, they, they're the ones that people are looking up to every day. The crew looks at them every single day. The crew's not going to see the training officer every day. The crew's not going to see the chief of the department, assistant chief, deputy chief, battalion chief, maybe. But they see their captain. And if you've got a captain bad-mouthing training, then those guys are going to take that in. The captain can set the tone for how the rank and file see training. Now, if the captain doesn't like certain training because he's legitimate, informed reasons, he should talk to the training officer. He should not be running the training officer or the training cadre down in front of his people. Now we're slipping into a terrible training culture. Uh, 
And I really believe that captains are the key to a very good training culture. So we got to keep in mind that every time we go to work, we're not going there for the money, right? Volunteers got to figure it out, man. They When they go on a run, it's to help people. It's not to, you know, make money or do this or do that. They're they're locked in, man. They want to help the citizens. And I think, you know, the career can really look at that and take that in consideration. They're willing to do our job for nothing. They're willing to miss their baby's first steps. <laughs> they're willing to miss birthdays and holidays because they're so passionate about the career and helping people. Uh, but the truth of it is, every single time we come to work, we are going to work to protect people and put our butt on the line to go in, grab them, and bring them out. They're the number one reason we are on the fire trucks. And if you think otherwise, change your mind. Find a way to change your mind. And if your mind can't be changed, perhaps you've been on the fire department too long. So I always say I have no issues with you guys sitting in the recliner or taking a nap or washing your car or working on your second job at the dinner table. I don't care about any of that stuff as long as you earn it. You have to earn it. So how are we going to earn this? Well, that you got to give that one hour back to the fire department. You just got to, man. And it could be something for your company. It could be something just for you. Get in the habit of every single day finding one hour to give back to your fire department. I promise you, you'll become a better firefighter exponentially. I could tell you that from my experience. So when I realized all this stuff about training, when it hit me late in my career, I mean, I've always known it's important. But I feel like later in my career, I'm starting to see more aspects of it, of more how important it is. So there was a point when I realized I just wanted to be better in my career. You know, I'm winding down my career now, but I'm, I'm winding up my passion. I'm winding up my training. I'm winding up my love for the fire service. I, I'm realizing how important I am to the community. So I have a responsibility to the people that call 911. I've got to be the best version of me. And I'm never, ever, ever going to be the best firefighter. We know this. I'm never, uh, we, none of us probably ever are, but we got to keep trying. We got to, we got to push forward. We got to get our training in to make everybody better. So don't be afraid to ask people for help. That's, that was a huge thing for me. Uh, I've mentioned a couple uh podcast before, I truly felt like anybody that had less time than me could not help me with my job. I couldn't be more wrong. I absolutely couldn't be more wrong. Um, I worked with a guy, uh, I still work with him, uh, excellent. He's now a truck captain and he, I, I would just make him teach me stuff because there's just things I was embarrassed to say, you know what? I've never taken apart a chainsaw. I've never really cleaned this. I've never taken this apart. He never made fun of me unless of course, I, I screwed up three times and then it was dummy, but he was there every single day and he helped me every single day. And I probably have, I don't know, twice the time in the fire service than him. But I recognize he has a great skill set and he's now a captain and he's sharing his knowledge with other people. So don't be afraid to ask for help just because, I mean, it's it's easy to forget what you don't know, right? Think about this. Let's take airbags. I personally haven't taught a class on airbags or touched an airbag for a couple of years, right? Am I embarrassed to go to somebody and say, hey, man, I'm the training officer. I don't, I forgot all this stuff. Can you show me? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You got to take your ego out of it. Are they going to bust my balls? Yeah, they probably will, but it's firefighters, right? That's how you know that you know they like you is when they, they do that. 
Here's another thing. Help others. You've got to help others. So here's, here's a dirty little secret that fire instructors probably don't share enough. When you teach a class, and I'm talking about get in front of a, a group of firemen in a classroom or out on the drill ground and you're teaching something, I promise you as an instructor, you're going to learn almost as much as you teach. It just, it's how it is. So it's a great selfish reason to become an instructor because you're always going to take in new information. And I promise you, you'll probably do the same drill over a period of years differently every time because each time you'll learn something from other people or for how other people do things. So take your time and teach other people. The best way to become an expert in something is to teach it. For example, let's say I don't know anything about airbags or it's not that I don't know anything about them. I, I've forgotten a lot. What I need to do is go ask for help, number one, relearn that skill, and then teach it. That will make me much better in airbags. So here is my advice to you. If you're, if you're on the training train, you know, keep on trucking, brother. But I, I, I challenge you to share your passion with others. Okay. If you're one of those guys that likes to train and constantly trains, you, you, you're trying to make a good training culture, whether it's in your company or in your house or in your department, share, share, share. For those people that just love training, just share it. If you're one of those people that you're kind of nervous about getting into it, maybe you've been on a while and you feel like you've earned the right to just sit back and relax, jump back into training, man, get into it. Do like I said, help others, teach others. The best way is to teach new people. Uh, teach new people stuff, and you'll you'll refine that passion for sharing. That knowledge not shared in the fire service isn't knowledge. It's just it's just selfish. So one of the things I do, maybe this will help you. I, I listen to other podcasts. You can't beat uh, Firehouse Vigilance. Uh, you can't beat uh, Ignited by Fire. Oh, get this. Check this out. Josh Chase is starting a podcast. Right. Uh, I happen to personally know the uh, one of the guys that's going to be interviewed. He's a very handsome podcaster himself. So listen to other podcasts. You got to think about this. When you sit around the dining the, the dining room table or the coffee uh, the table out in the bay, drink coffee, you get a lot of knowledge just by listening to other firefighters, right? Now imagine all of that all with a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of firefighters. And if you listen to them while you work out, maybe you're going shopping, maybe you're just hanging around at your house off-duty, listen to podcasts. You're going to learn a lot about how things can be done. Read articles, man. There, there's no no uh, deficit of articles out there on training. Uh, find you a subject you're good, you're really good with that you really, you know, you, you're comfortable with, I should say. Maybe you're really good at pulling lines. Find some articles on that. Google that stuff, man, and pull those lines and then share that with somebody. So, the last bit of advice I'm going to give you is join a training-related organization, okay, like a local fool's group. Now, I know the guys that are in my fool's group are listening to this, and they're like, Barnes, you never come to meetings. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm just not trying hard enough. Uh, I'm being lazy about it. Uh, that's period. That's end of story how I'm being. I'm trying my best. I'm actually not trying my best. I'm trying about 60%, so I need to get back into that. But find a fool's group. These guys are the best of the best of the best, man. And they all the, all it is is training and sharing. It's great. Now, I want to throw in there the International Society of Fire Service Instructors. Yes, I'm biased on them. No, they did not ask me to say one word in any of my podcasts. They never asked me to say anything. I love the ISFSI. I don't say I love it because I'm part of it. I'm part of it because I love it. 
go to isfsi.org. There's plenty of content there. They do a lot of uh, classes. But here's the best part, I think. It's the networking. It's being around other instructors. Um, you can't help but learn when you're around the best of the best. And that's what the ISFSI is. And yes, I'm part of it. And no, I'm not the best of the best. But I'm working with the best of the best. And I'm hoping to up my game. That is my goal. Um, fantastic people. So find your organization and reignite that passion, not just for the fire service, but for training. So that's about it. Uh, I'm done. I am heading out tonight to go to Rowlett, Texas. I'm teaching a NFPA 1403 class down there. I'm really excited. Uh, I love training, man. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you guys and girls stay safe. Do some training. Love you guys. Holla. Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures and mobile units for 30 years. Make training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.